0: what is up kingdom cloud jesus welcome back <laughs> after a very 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 long time to the kingdom uh, to the kingdom cloud podcast i am your host with the most Kize, and after a very, very 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 long time we are back okay um guys to be honest with you There are weekends where I tried to record and I just, I couldn't. And there are weekends where I just didn't even try. And you know, there's just a lot that's been going on. I think the last time you all heard from me, I was still 20. You been 20? No, no, I'm not 20. I'm 21 now, you know what I'm saying? So, (laughs) I don't know how that has to do with anything, but I just wanted to like make a reference. So you all understand that it's been a very, very long time since I was here. And I'm sorry, but, like, I'm not sorry. I needed, I needed, whenever I disappear, guys, I need to disappear. I won't just disappear, Jay, okay? So, like, I'm not going to, when when I disappear again, I'm not going to explain myself when I come back. I'm just going to come back and get to it. Because I think almost every single episode now of Kingdoms Cloud starts like this, with me having to explain where I was and why I wasn't recording and so on and so on. But anyways, today, I have a bit of an interesting, a rather interesting topic, and that topic is... Okay, I don't know what to call this episode, guys, but I don't know, man. I don't know what to call it. Maybe we'll determine afterwards what we're going to call this episode, okay? But I want to speak on a bunch of topics like a bunch of things, and yeah, yeah, we'll decide at the end of the episode what we're calling this, okay? Cool. Okay, so, today I want to talk about, let's start off with bondage, okay? And what bondage is? Bondage is like... A a sermon that I really love explains it so well, it's Jesus is Loving Barabbas by Judah Smith. If you get the chance, you should go on YouTube and check that sermon out. It is like mind chemistry altering. You see when the Bible says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds, and that faith comes by hearing. Yeah, you will gain transformation and renewing of the mind from that video, from that sermon. It's so deep and it's so profound in fact i'd recommend that you listen to it after this episode if you can though but that's just a recommendation that's just me though you know you don't have to do that but let me just explain the story let me just tell my story because i think with me most of the times god speaks to me in a way that is like you just live out something yeah, I don't, like, sit down and plan, I'm going to say this and this and this. I just live things, that I experience them, and then, like, I talk about them. I don't know if that makes sense. But last night, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine. And we were talking about this prayer challenge, and then blah, blah, blah. And then we got to a point where we were talking about generational curses. And then, I don't know if you all know that video by Nella, neh? Yes, guys, I I know Nella. But <laughs> on that video, it's the, the, the light detector thing with Chunks and like, they ask her, do you like anyone in this room right now? And then she's like, yes, I do. And then she's like, oh, yeah, I do. And then her friend asks her who, and then she's like, don't ask me that. Yeah, well. And then Chang says, but this the light detector says you're lying. And then she's like, but I'm not. And she's like, oh, I am. <laughs> and then, like, so that's how it happened with me. Last night, at the beginning of yesterday, I believed that generational curses were a real thing. I will put this into context. They are I, they are real. I know they're in the Bible, but, like, hear me out. Let me finish my point. Let me finish my point. Um, Last night, I had that moment also. I was like, oh, never mind. I don't believe in that for who? I I don't believe in that for us Christians, us believers. Why? I know, I know it happens in the Bible. I know that in the bloodline of David, you see that a lot of them had problems with lust. You see, like, you know, there's there's things that go down from generation to generation. And even in Genesis, you see that uh, there are patterns that go on between, like, look at Exodus 34, Verse six to seven. But I will say why me I'm saying for us who are the the, the believers, believers now. It doesn't apply. But anyways, this is what it says. The Lord then passed in front of him and called out, I am the Lord. I, the Lord, am a God who is full of compassion and pity, who is not easily angered and who shows great love and faithfulness. I keep my promises for thousands of generations and forgive evil, and sin, but I will not f- fail to punish children and grandchildren to the third and fourth generation for the sins of their parents. You hear that? He will. That's a guarantee from the big God that He will not fail to enforce a punishment from generation to generation. Okay. So if God said that, why then you, Lunga, are you saying they don't? They're not real for us Christians. Here's what I'm saying. I'm saying that they are very real, but they were dealt with. That in your life, there is no active generational curse that you didn't open the gate for. If there is one, you opened that gate. How do you open the gate for it? With your faith, by believing into it. This conversation i feel is going to be very triggering for some people because the thing is i believe jesus wants us to move away from a point where we defend our own pain we defend our own trauma like how dare we because the very thing that hurts us we love it more than we love him the very things that bring us pain we love them more than we love him we are so in denial of being separated from our pain because we identify with it But what if we started identifying as intensely with who we are in Christ? What if we started identifying so directly with the identity God gives us? He says we are holy. He says we are righteous. He says we have been set apart. He says we are perfect in his eyes. He justifies us. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. What if we stepped into that? and we identify with that, as much as we identify with our trauma and our pain and our mental issues and whatever, what if we were so convinced of the truth of Jesus Christ as we are, of the things we've experienced? Here's the problem, here's why not. Um. Okay, I don't know why not. Okay, I know why not, but like, that's not what I meant to say. It's a faith conversation and it's a trust conversation and it's a belief conversation. So, um, where do I start? Okay, why do I say for us Christians it is not real? Firstly, as a Christian, you are in Christ. You are sealed with the, with His Holy Spirit, and you are in Christ. When God looks at you, He sees Jesus. You know, you don't represent yourself in the kingdom. Jesus does. Even right now. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he's in your seat on your behalf. So when you get to heaven one day when you die, or when you are raptured, that's an inside joke, you won't get it. But when you get to heaven one day, your seat will be warm, because Jesus has been keeping it warm for you. He's been in your place. He's been holding your spot. He's been holding our spot since the beginning, since 2,000 years ago. That's what he's been doing. That's what he does. He holds our spot, Yabo. So, um in Romans 8, verse 1, this is the verse that like got me on this whole track. Because when the Holy Spirit was like telling me that you as a Christian, there's no such thing as a generational curse for you. This is the verse that like came to me. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. You hear that? Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So it is saying that for those of us who are in Christ, like there is no condemnation, there is no curses, there is no bondage over our lives. We are freed, and we are freed indeed. And the thing of a generational curse—it is a bondage thing. The topic of bondage and the topic of curses is not a serp- is not a separate topic. It's not something that is. A different thing. It's the same thing. Because look, sin itself is a bondage. We were slaves to sin before Jesus died for us and before we accepted him. That's what we were. We were slaves. So when you go back and you want to see that sin itself is a generational curse, it is the first generational curse. You go back to Genesis. Adam and Eve are in the garden and they mess up. Right? Then God punishes. And in this punishment, there's a sentence, there's a curse that is put on the whole earth. This is a generational curse that doesn't just affect one family or one, it affects the entire earth, okay? And this curse is the curse that gave us our sinful nature. It, it's what made us not naturally be good people. It's what made us to not naturally like God, to not naturally desire his will, Adam and Eve used to love being in his company. If Adam and Eve if Adam and Eve had to have a Bible, they wouldn't struggle to open it every morning. They loved his company because they were naturally made in his image. They, you know, but me and you, unfortunately, we weren't born in God's image because of the fall of man. We were born in the likeness of Adam. We were born in his likeness because of his mess up. Everyone that came after Adam was in his likeness. What Jesus' death does on the cross is it restores us back to the likeness of God. That's why we have to be adopted back into our family, our original family, which is the kingdom of God, which is the royal family of heaven. That's our family. But we need to be adopted back because it's kind of like we were kidnapped. And there's there's a part in Ephesians where it says the Holy Spirit is the ransom that is paid for us. You know, so... Anyways, anyways, in Genesis, he messes up and then sin comes into man. And then every person, every human being, as hard as they try, they can't not sin. They mess up, they mess up, they mess up, they mess up. That's because of the first Adam. And then we get Jesus, who is the second Adam. He lives a life sinless. He knows not of sin and he never sins. But God makes him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that we might become sin the righteousness of God. Hmm. Him who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. So basically what this verse says, what this verse is saying is that when God made, God had to treat Jesus as if he had committed every sin so that he could treat us the way way that Jesus' son was supposed to be treated. You get it? So, there's another verse that is very similar to this one in its orientation, and I want to just open it quickly. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for taking so long. So, ah, uh, uh, um, okay, it's it's Galatians three. Galatians 3 verse 13 this is what it says Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us for it is written cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole so the same way he became sin and then he died and sin died so did all the curses that were held against you all accusations that were held against you all your former names your former names were sinner. Your former names were cursed. Your former names were pervert. Your former names were addict. Your former names were all these things. And they were hung on that cross. So, he dealt with it for you. The moment you accept him, you are already covered in the blood. So, my conflict is not that, it's not with, okay, here's my conflict. My conflict is that when we pray, my fear is that when we pray as believers, we are undermining the power of the cross if we go and we pray and we say, God, please remove this curse over my life or this generational curse. What curse? What are we saying that Jesus is a liar? When he said on the cross, it is finished. Tetelestai, he has completed the whole thing. It is done, beginning to end. Alpha and Omega, he has some, he has finished the whole thing, it is done in him. So when we are in him and when we abide in him and we walk in the spirit and we walk in faith and in truth this it means that we declare, we don't pray and say God please remove. We will tell our mountains, we will tell these curses because maybe they don't seem they are not as obedient to God as we are because we are his children and the Bible says that those who love him obey him. And I don't think no enemy or devil or demon loves God. So they are not as obedient as us. So we need to remind them what scripture says. We need to declare. We need to declare over our lives, declare over our bloodlines, declare over our families, that, and say there is no generational curse that has any position in this family. We, we are telling the curses. This reminds me of a prayer by David um in the psalms there's a part in psalms where David King David is praying but he doesn't talk to God he, he he's kind of talking to his problem or to his mountain you know how in churches we always say don't tell your don't tell God about your mountain tell your mountain about God yeah so that's what David is doing in my opinion in this in psalms 103 bless the lord all my soul what is he talking to? My, his soul, which is his body, his heart, his mind, his, you know, he's talking to his soul. And um, he says, Bless the Lord, all oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. He goes even further, he even tells angels, Bless his holy name, all ye heavenly hosts. And then he says, And forget not his benefits. He who forgives all your sins and redeems your life from the pit, he who crowns you with righteousness. Do you hear how, how deep this prayer is? Yet, he never says, God, please. He, 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 but instead, he elevates his own mind to the truth, to the real truth. I imagine that when you pray a prayer like this, your reality is disaligning with God's word. You know when we pray we say let your kingdom come and let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven what that means i think that david's prayer is the same as that part of the lord's prayer because they are both saying one and the same thing they are both saying let the kingdom come because in the kingdom in the truth of the kingdom you said we are forgiven my sins are forgiven My reality doesn't look like that because I still feel punishment. I I still feel, you know, there's all these things that happen because of sin. I still know that the wages of sin is death. But when I say in your kingdom, let your kingdom come in the kingdom, there's no more tears. There's no more suffering. There's no more curses. So when I say let your kingdom come, I am living in the kingdom here on earth. I don't need to conform to the lifestyle of earth. Or to the beliefs of earth or lower my standards. Okay, let me digress so I can explain better. In um, in what what's this verse? In here it is in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, it says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So Christ says, I have set you free and free indeed. I have given you peace that the world cannot give. I've done, you know, that's what Christ says. But your thoughts will say, "Mm, my mom struggled with this thing. Her mom did too. And her mom did. You know, it's been in this family for so long. So I'm probably going to go through the same thing that thought is the arguments or the imaginations that are being talked about in second corinthians that we need to demolish that's the very thing we need to demolish you you trust me trust me if generational curses were over your life there is no goats you could slaughter no amount of fasting you could fast no amount of anything you could do in your own capacity to free yourself from it I don't think we grasp how small we are and you know, cause did you hear what God said in Genesis? In Genesis, he will be faithful to punish your children and your grandchildren until the third and fourth generation. So are you telling me that your sacrifices, your altars, your prayers would be convincing to God when he says that our good works even are like filthy rags in his sight? That is for us when we are not yet in Christ. Nothing we can do can impress him. So there's no way you are going to convince him to remove any curse over over your life. I'm not saying that he brings these curses, but I'm saying that there are curses that, that God does bring, but not all of them, but he removes every single one. Whether he put it there or he didn't, he will remove it. And he did remove it when he sent Jesus to die on the cross letting Jesus become the curse for us. So if you believe that you still have curses, might as well believe that you still have sin, because, oh, might as well still identify as a sinner, because that's what you are. If you believe, because the the, the, the the biggest sin has always been, and always will be, unbelief. Unbelief is the most high form of wickedness. How can you look at all of the earth, everything, that praises God in, in its existence, that shows the intellect, intellectual mind of a creator and say there is no God, there is no creator. How can you look over your life, your heart that beats while you're asleep, that, your heart that beats on own command, your lungs that expand and compress on their own, your, how much, just the complexity of your body alone, let alone the world, forget the world, just your body alone. Is proof of an intelligent design, and you're gonna tell me, you know. So disbelief be- be- is the highest form of wickedness I could think of. But here's a story. Here's a story. This is what I wanna say that like really, really touched me. Okay, so on the second Corinthians thing, um, when it says we demolish arguments, you know, and every potential, I believe that this is what strongholds are. I'm not completely sure, but I think in another translation, that's what it says. We demolish every imagination and stronghold that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. So these strongholds are things that we believe, and they are also a pattern. Look at this, a pattern of your experiences. You, You saw... Someone in your family go to something, then someone else, and you know until it becomes a stronghold. And you believe it's inevitable for you too. It's a stronghold. Your truth, which is like a, a word or a phrase that Pastor Stephen Frederick, like I know that he always like talks about it and how much he doesn't like that saying because it's not a real thing. Your truth is invalid. <laughs> okay, your truth is inferior to the truth that is jesus christ but the problem is about your truth it will always try to exalt itself against the knowledge of christ it will say this is what i have experienced and this is what is true forget what jesus says forget what god says what i experience that's the truth so when god says i'm working all things together for your good but you're in tears right now your life is a mess you're depressed you are stuck in addiction you are bound And he says, I have set you free. What reality are you going to live in? Will determine. Okay, let me just go to the verse. This verse will explain it better. Matthews 9, verse 28 and 29. Let's start by 28. So Jesus is about to heal a bunch of blind men. I don't know how many because it doesn't say. But he's about to heal them. He's about to open their eyes so they can see again. So Jesus... Begins by asking them. This part in the Bible is in red. You can check it out for yourselves. Matthews 9 verse 28. It says. "Um, Okay, let me open it. I don't want to misquote it. I just, I just found 28 yesterday. I could quote 29 for you. Off head. But like. <laughs> if I try and do. Okay, so Jesus asked them. Do you believe I am able to. That I can make you see. And they say, yes, we believe. But don't take this question lightly. Not at all. Because believing and just saying it, but not accepting it in your heart as, this is the same way we are saved. This is the same way we are saved from, this is the same way we are saved. In Romans 9 verse 10, it says that, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be saved. That's how we are saved. So Jesus asked them, do you believe that I can make you see? And I think this is the same question. God is like a similar question to what God has put on my heart. Do we believe, the Christians of, t- of today, do we believe that when Jesus died on the cross, he, he, he saved us from all our sins? Do we believe that he can make us holy? Do we believe that he is the author and finisher of our faith do we believe that there is no curses over our lives do we believe that nothing can separate us from the love of christ do we believe that we are his elect people do we believe that we are the righteousness of god do we believe so this whole episode guys i think this will just this episode proves that there's such an importance to declarations that we say to ourselves I think as believers now we are we are not at war with the enemy as much as we think we give him way too much credit I I believe that our biggest enemy is our own minds and our own hearts this is where we we build the strongholds that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God this is where in our hearts we hold certain ideals we believe that We are going to be addicts forever. We believe that we are going to be sinning forever. We believe that God hates us. We we make these arguments and these imaginations and these strongholds that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. And this is what costs us. So these are the questions God is asking to us. Do we believe that Jesus' blood is the finished works that saves us from all darkness and all curses do we believe this? Okay, so here's here's, here's what happens next. In Matthew 29, Jesus touches their eyes. And I believe even right now, Jesus, not right now, but when Jesus was on the cross, this is what I believe was happening. Jesus was touching your sin. He was touching your addiction. He was touching your lustful desires. He was touching sure it says he became sin so he, he was touching it he, he had to he became it he, like when you are i don't know if that he was in contact with this he was in contact with their eyes he touched their eyes he touched their eyes jesus is touching your sin he's touching your problem he's touching your your your, your curses he's touching your weakness he's touching he's touching it all and then he says um, As your faith is, be it so unto you. Just imagine now what would have happened if when they said they believed, they didn't really believe, and Jesus said, as your faith is, be it so unto you. Imagine if what their faith said was, ah, uh, I'm never going to see. That's exactly what was going to happen. Imagine if their faith said, so now I say also to you, because you have been asked the same question. When you are the, the answer to this question, you gave the day you accepted Jesus Christ, and you said, Yes, I believe that Jesus Christ died and rose from the dead and is at the right hand of the Father. I believe in him as Lord and Savior. You said, Yes, you believe. But now imagine, because Romans 9, verse 10 says you need to confess. So you've done that. Cool. But what did your heart say? What did your faith say? That is why we are are to guard our hearts above all else because it is the wellspring of life because that's where the problems flow from. Not the enemy, not the devil. Do you think I'm lying? It's a verse in the Bible. The devil has no authority over your life. Curses have no authority over your life. Your problems come from your own heart. They don't come from outside sources. They are not external. They come from within. And that is what is battling with God in corinthians i believe it says that our flesh wars against god we cannot be present in the flesh and be present with the father because they there is enmity between the two the flesh and the father do not click we give too much credit to the enemy our problem is our flesh our own minds and our own hearts our own lustful desires that is what we are battling that is what we are crucifying that is why what we are silencing. That is the pretension, the imaginations, and the high things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. Those are the things we are fighting. So Jesus says, as your faith is, be it so unto you. So I say, if you believe that they are real, for you as a Christian, you believe that generational curses are real. those? you are taking my guy. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna call this episode. As a believer, you can't shake, you have to be, you have to stand firm on this foundation, on the truth that is Jesus Christ, Jesus says, I am the, way, the truth. He is the truth, not your reality, not your experiences, not what you've been through, not what your family's been through, that's not the truth. The truth is Jesus, Jesus says you are free, Jesus says you are set apart, Jesus says I work all things together for your good, Jesus says your steps are ordered, so, you decide today and right now what your truth is. But as for me and my house, my truth is Jesus and his word. Okay, let me quickly pause so I can finish off. So as I was saying, as I was saying, um, he says, because of your faith, it will happen so as your faith is be it so unto you this is what I want to say to you ladies and gentlemen as your faith is be it so unto you like wherever you go take these words I, I feel like we block our own blessings we block our own freedom in this amazing sermon the one I told you guys about earlier Judah Smith is talking about how we protect our own burdens jesus is being held trial basically the religious leaders have brought him to pilate to sentence him because they don't hold the authority to do that right and they need the roman emperor to sentence him to be crucified so jesus ends up in some sort of a popularity contest this is exactly what's happening in our minds every day, all the time, every time we exalt something. This is the living embodiment and example of a stronghold. Jesus ends up in a popularity contest. There's something that is exalting him itself against the knowledge of Christ, against the knowledge of the Son of God. This, this is the highest degree of blasphemy that I can think of that there is in the Bible. A lot of crazy things happen in the Bible, but this this, I believe, exceeds them all. Pilate, because it is uh, the time when the, 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 because of the Jewish, I don't know if it was Jubilee or it was Sabbath or what, but like Pilate had this thing, because of the, the, the Jewish religion, he would be able to release one prisoner from death row, okay? Okay. One deserving prisoner, one prisoner who is supposed to die, who is worthy of the cross, who is worthy of the beating, who is worthy of the mockery, who is fit for it, who is, who infanile, who is suited for it, is going to be re- released. Look at how amazing Jesus is. Look at how amazing Jesus is, and look at how pathetic we can be in trying to resist his love, and deny it, and say, no, we are good, um, no thank you, it is the most, it is the rudest thing, it is, I grew up in a house where I was taught that if we go somewhere, and we visit someone, and they offer you food, it is rude to say no, but this is like, this is the one cup you can't say no to, this is the one cup, the one cup you can't say no good, I'm thank you, this is the one thing, you can't, you can we cannot reject this guys, we, this is why I unbelief, is such a a big sin. Jesus is being compared to Pilate, I mean to, to this prisoner. His name is Barabbas. And Pilate asks the crowd, who do you want? And they basically start chanting out, give us Barabbas. Yeah, we want Barabbas. And I, I just I really hope you guys go and listen to the the Judas Smith Judas Smith sermon because the way he puts it, you feel his heart and you feel you feel how heavy. And the thing is, even me, I get it, but the way he articulates it is so deep. But anyways, um, he, he they choose they want Barabbas, and Barabbas comes down and he's probably thinking wow, man, these people love me. They chose me, you know, they want me free. I, these people love me, yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, it wasn't the love of the people. It wasn't the authority, it wasn't the power of Pilate. Earlier in this conversation, Pilate is asking Jesus because Jesus, like Jesus is not answering Pilate's questions. And then Pilate says to him, why are you not answering me? Do you not know that i have the power to crucify you or to free you and then jesus says you would have no power over me had you not been given it from above imagine if we had this level of conviction this level of authority and this belief imagine if we walked in this power this is why we need to declare things guys so we can walk in this authority when bad things happen to us, when challenging things arise, we must say to them, You would have no power over me had it not been given to you from above. And if he's in control, and if he gave you the power, he's your boss. And if he's in control, he will control all things to work together for my good. You may intend it for evil, but he intended it for good. So, Jesus says this. So now he's being compared, and, and, and Barabbas is led out. And the, he thinks the people love me. What? What? But no, it wasn't the people. It was the intentional plan of a loving father to free Barabbas. And Barabbas just goes on. We don't have any record in the Bible about him repenting and coming to Christ and saying, I owe you my life now because you have set me free or anything. No, he just goes on. It's almost like Jesus is saying, I love Barabbas, and I want his sin, I want his mess-ups, I want his burden. And I'm wondering who this Barabbas character is, who relates to this guy, you know? And I, I realized, okay, now I'm like directly quoting, but he says, and I realized who Barabbas really is, it's me, it's you. The name Barabbas itself means son of a father i think as believers we know the word abba father which means father abba which means father and in the name barabbas bar abba barabbas that word is there so son of a father we were those sons we are those daughters the, the normal average sons of a father we are them we are just another son and We are sons of some good dads and not so good dads, but at the end of the day, the father that connects us all is Adam, and he messed up. And this is the generational curse that has costed us so much. And this is the very curse Jesus is here to take. And when that father who costed us so much, he should die, right? He sh- He should take this punishment. He should take this sin. But Jesus says, I wanna adopt you, I wanna take you on, I wanna take your sins. And he takes that place, he takes that punishment. He takes our punishment, he takes Adam's punishment, he takes everyone's punishment. He dies for the whole earth and he walks away and he carries the cross. And it's almost like he's saying, son, daughter, go ahead, live your life, I will pay the price. And he did. Now how dare we say, no Lord, don't take my sin, don't take my curses, how dare we defend, don't take my trauma, don't take my burden, I will carry it. No, how dare we? How dare we think we can shake ourselves free? How dare we think it is in our own capacity to free ourselves? Because the same way we are saved is the same way we are sustained. So now how dare we think it is going to be by our prayer? and our fasting and our religious, by our tithing, by our serving, by no, no works of us will suffice to free us from the, the curses that are over our lives. Nothing we can do. Thank God though, that there is a hope in Jesus and that he did it for us. Be relieved, be glad, rejoice because he did it. So. We hold on to the sin and we say, no, God, you can't, you can't give, you can't free Barabbas, you can't. Jesus, no, 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 you can't take his sin and take his place. No. But Jesus says, give it to me, son. I want it. Give me your sin. Give me your pain. Give me your burden. Give me your trauma. Give me your experience. Give me your reality. I will take it. I will carry it and I will give you peace. I will, give you, I will give you gardens from graves. I will give you beauty for your ashes. Give it to me. We say, no, God. And we realize then who the enemy really is. Because in this moment, when we are in denial of our freedom, and we are in denial of the awesome power of Jesus' sacrifice, the enemy is doing nothing. He's sitting back somewhere, so happy and so proud of you. And he's not whispering anything in your ear. He's not instilling the doubt. He he's doing nothing. It's almost like we're on autopilot to mess this whole thing up for ourselves. We are about to be freed, and we wanna we wanna take it. We say we deserve. I my marriage deserves to be wrecked. My, 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 I I deserve to be addicted. I deserve the sickness. I deserve, give it to me, son. I want it. Pass your burdens unto me, for I care for you. Stop being burdened. Do not try and take on the yoke of slavery. It is too much for you. The yoke you need to take on is the easy one. He says his yoke is light and his burden is easy. That's what we need to take on. So with that, let me close, guys, before I I over-explain. But I just want to say, let us not be like Samson, who was made a warrior of God, and he was given an unnatural kind of strength to be a warrior for God. And then he would mess up, and then he would say, don't worry, I will shake myself free. And he would get in all sorts of trouble, trusting in his own capacity that he will shake himself free, believing that whatever happens, he can just shake himself free. Let us not be like that. Instead, let us remember that this very power, this very strength we have is of him. He is the author and perfecter of this faith. He is the one who made us new creations. So the same way, the same grace that saved us without our own effort, by just our faith. Jesus says, go, your faith has saved you. And that's what he's saying about you, your curses that you believe are over your life, or whatever addiction or whatever sin or whatever bondage that they may be on your life. I tell you, it was already broken. I, I'd love to pray that it'd be broken, but it is, it is broken. That would be a useless prayer to pray because there is no such thing over your life. There's no addiction. There is no bondage you are free you are free that's what jesus says and if you say i'm lying then you say you're saying the bible is lying and that's a high thought that is exalting itself against the knowledge of god you are not an addict you are not a pervert you are not addicted you are not you are free that's what the word says and what the word says is our truth our truth is not our experience it's not what we see it's not what we've done it's not what we do our truth is Jesus, our truth is the cross, our truth. And so long as as Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, I am justified. So with that, I encourage you guys to like, start doing declarations and declaring these things that specifically what um, the 14 books of Paul say about us as the church, zone in on them you know it says that we are the righteousness of christ that we are holy we are head and not the tail we are above and not beneath it says all these things zone in on these things and like really believe them and meditate on them and use these as your affirmations forget daily affirmations they are useless this is what you need to affirm yourself in and with that ladies and gentlemen i say to god be the glory amen